Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Joining me now on the phone lines is a very special man, a very special man here in the Las Vegas community, and I do appreciate his time today. It is Principal Joseph Uwe from Gwendolyn Woolley Elementary School here in Las Vegas. And, and Principal Joseph, uh, I, one, thank you so much for your time, but uh, I appreciate what you're doing in our community for our kids being the principal there at uh, Gwendolyn Woolley. Uh, just tell us about what you have going on at the school and, and how much it means to you to be part of the education system here in Las Vegas. Thanks a lot, Q. First of all, thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate the invite. Uh, you know, over at Woolley Elementary School, we've, we've adopted this uh, all hands on deck. I'm sure you've heard of the uh, uh, staff shortage district wide and really in all of the United States. There's just no substitute teachers out there, uh, no uh, substitute custodians, and uh, people are getting sick. And, and so my staff's kind of adopted the all hands on deck, whatever we can do mentality and, and people have stepped up and fill in the gaps. And, you know, I got to do my part. And, and if that means uh, going into classroom to teach, uh, I'm doing that. If that means uh, vacuuming uh, the hallways, cleaning toilets, because uh, a custodian is out, I'm doing that. Um, really just whatever it takes to, to get the work done and get the school ready for the kids. Yeah, and that's awesome. I mean, it really is. And I know that this has been so challenging, you know, dealing with COVID and still trying to get the kids uh, prepared and get the classes prepared and the teachers and everything that you just mentioned. And so how, how big of a challenge has that been for you, your staff, and just like I said, just, just teachers in general dealing with COVID the last couple of years? Huge. It, it's, it's been a huge challenge, really. Uh, I mean, imagine, uh, you know, going to work and, but, but, you know, part of you is really at home because your child is sick, your, your mom and dad is sick, a friend is sick for whatever reason, whatever the illness may be right now, it's COVID, the pandemic. And then you go to work and, and, and you heard, you hear about kids getting sick, uh, a colleague, another teacher getting sick, you're getting sick. Uh, it's just hard all around. The teachers really take it personally. When their kids aren't learning, when the kids are low academically, they take that stuff personally. I take it personally. And so it's really hard on everybody. It's taking a toll on them mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually also. And so we kind of just help each other out and, and again, do whatever it takes to, to make sure that we, we make sure that the, the school is ready for the kids. Again, we're talking with Principal Joseph Uwe here from uh, Woolley Elementary on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And I know someone right now is thinking like, okay, Q, this is a good, this is good. I like this is educational, but I don't understand why you have them on Raider Nation Radio 920. And the reason is, uh, Principal Uwe, is that the Raiders actually gave you a call the other day. You need Ngakwe, as a matter of fact, gave you a call the other day and awarded you with Super Bowl tickets for this upcoming year for your service in the community. First of all, how special was that to be on the phone call with Unique Ngakwe? Oh, man, you you have no idea. I've watched Yannick <laughs> Ngakwe on TV. I've watched him kill my Chiefs, you know, go after the quarterback, go after Patrick, go after uh, – I mean, he's a bad man on the field. But when I spoke with him on on – on Zoom, man, he's got the heart of gold. So humble, uh, so soft-spoken. I, I, uh, I was. It was an honor and privilege to have uh, 
done a, a one-on-one Zoom call with uh, with Mr. Ngakwe. Yeah, he, he's a good dude. You know, they came over from uh, from uh, Baltimore, as a matter of fact, as a free agent this year, and uh, he obviously did some great things with the Raiders, and uh, their season fell a little short. You mentioned the Chiefs and, and your Chiefs, and they're still playing. They have an opportunity, actually, to be in that Super Bowl that you'll be at uh, in L.A. for Super Bowl, uh, you know, 56 coming up. But how, how exciting is that for your opportunity, knowing that you get to go to a Super Bowl, something that a lot of people never get an opportunity to do in their lifetime? Oh, it definitely was in a lifetime opportunity. I appreciate the Raider Nation, uh, Mr. Davis, the whole Raider organization for really acknowledging the work we do at Wooly, the work I do. But really, like I told the Superintendent Jara with CCSD, I, I accept this gift uh, on behalf of all the administrators and teachers on staff uh, with CCSD who's gone above and beyond. I, I accept this gift on behalf of everybody. Yeah, no, that, that's that's really what it's all about again. And as I've gotten older in, in my life, I realize how important, you know, uh, teachers are and, and principals are and just the education system because, of course, our, our children are our future. And, you know, you're at the elementary level, and that's where it really starts. So how much does it mean to you just to be that big of a factor in, in a young child, a young boy, a young girl? life and knowing that you're kind of setting the foundation for everything that they'll do later on in life oh it's huge it's why we go to work every day man right. it's really we go to work when we're well i have to preface it like yeah that, yeah but, uh it, it's what it's about it's what gets me up every day in the morning i know the kids are waiting for us uh making sure that we have the table set so to speak and to learning uh and not just learning really we, we got to make sure that we continue to serve our kids on a high level, forget COVID. Right. We want to make sure that our kids still have a chance to move forward in the society. And so we can't just use COVID as an excuse. It is out there. Uh, but at the same time, I want to make sure my teachers still offered a service uh, at a high level so that our kids do have a chance to move on in life. That's the thing about it. And I, I've talked to a lot of uh, high school football coaches throughout the course of the year and, and how important they are to the community and the development of, of our you know youth and everything. But uh, also, you know, you're, you're uh, an ambassador to the community as well. So when you see the a community doing well, when you see young children that you may have, you know, mentored or, or, or helped teach when they were younger, all of a sudden you see them start to grow up and develop as, how much satisfaction does that bring to you, knowing that you're helping our community in a major way? Oh, man, like like I said, every day I go to work, I see my kids, I give them a hug, give them the knuckle punch, the elbow hit, <laughs> whatever it is. They're my kids, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I got three boys of my own, grew up my, growing up myself in the streets of the Philippines. I'm an immigrant myself, second language, um, learning English. Is, you know, it, it's just, I, it's huge. And so when I see... My ELL students, my African American students, my 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 uh, Caucasian white students. Uh, I, I see me, I see my boys, and so therefore I wouldn't treat you know any of my students any different as if they're all my own kids. Absolutely. Well, again, you guys are doing some great things over there at Wooly, and we're talking with Principal Joseph Uwe right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. So uh, when you get to L.A. and you get to the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl SoFi Stadium, I don't know if you've been there before, but the stadium is amazing. So uh, definitely soak it in. But uh, what are your plans when you get down out to L.A. for February 13th for the big game? Oh, man, that's exactly it. I'm going to soak it all in. It's a once-in-a-lifetime <laughs> opportunity. I cannot thank the Raider Nation enough for really give me this once in a lifetime opportunity. Again, I accept this gift on behalf of all the fellow administrators. I just happen to be the one going. 
I'm going to take a whole lot of pictures. I'm going to share share it on social media. Make sure ready. I'm, I'm putting on. I only got my, my Ngakwe number 91 jersey. I'm good to go, man. Nice. Go. Nice. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Well, you mentioned being a, you mentioned being a Chiefs fan, so I was going to ask you, what is it, what is it going to take for us to get you to the Raider Nation, get you supporting the Silver and Black all the oh. time? <laughs> no, listen, I, I talked about me being an immigrant here. It, it was really in 1987 when, when my plane landed in Kansas was my first exposure to American football. You gotcha. know what I mean? So, so that's where the Kansas City thing happened. And throughout the years, as I was uh, teaching and becoming a dean and AP and principal, all my students and staff, you know, they were just giving me gifts of Chiefs. He's a Kansas City guy. But now we got the Raider. We got the Raider Nation in Las Vegas. I gotta support my my Raider Nation. There you know what I mean? Go. Yes. And, and so so I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be I'm not gonna go you know totally turn overnight because my Chiefs is still in the Super Bowl. Going well, I'm, I'm gonna jump ahead of it and right. say we're gonna beat the Bengals <laughs> go to the Super Bowl. But uh, no, we, we've waited so long to get a football team, yes. and we finally got the Raiders. Come on, man, you, you gotta support your hometown team, Raiders, Golden Knights. Aces, everyone. Yeah, you gotta support them. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. And that's that's one of the things about it. I mean, I've been here since July, but I I've been covering the Raiders for a very long time. Been a lifelong fan of the team. And what I've seen that they have done here in this community is they really care and they're really trying to give back to the community. How important is that that you see that the Raiders they're not just a team that plays football here in Las Vegas, but they also are trying to help take care of this Las Vegas community. And, and, and that's what it's all about, really. You're not just a football team. You're you're not just and in selling tickets, they're actually getting involved in the community. A matter of fact, the, the way they presented me the the uh, the tickets, they they were they were sending us the Raiders youth football program, and I was excited about that because they're going to send me some players and students to to Raider football. You know, that's what it's all about: getting involved in the community, and 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 then the community then in return uh, would support the Raider Nation. Right, exactly. Well, I'll tell you, ever since I've been here, uh, I've seen that they've been doing some really good things in the community. Uh, again, tapping in with high school football, tapping in with the elementary schools like they, they did with Wooly, and, I mean, just everything in the community. It's been really great, and Allegiant Stadium has been a great place for showcases for a lot of our youth as well. So it, it's really cool. Well, well, Joseph Uwe, Principal Uwe from uh, Wooly Elementary, I really appreciate your time, man. I, I really appreciate also what you do for our youth and our community, and, uh, you know, you you guys are doing a fantastic job and i could appreciate your all hands on deck if you have to get in there and scrub toilets you're scrubbing toilets if you got to teach math you're teaching math but i do appreciate what you're doing over there at the school and, and you and your whole staff hey thanks a lot for having me q let's go raider nation next year we're gonna do it baby let's go there it is right there principal Uwe, i appreciate you keep doing what you do and enjoy the super bowl okay thank you there he goes right there, Principal Uwe from Woolley Elementary School right here in Las Vegas. About 10 great minutes with him right there. I love the energy. I love the excitement. And I know that somebody at Raider Nation was going to be like, wait a minute, hold on. He said he's a Kansas City fan, but you hear what he said. He was adopted into the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, you know, fan base. And so he's, uh, he's definitely going for the Raiders and, uh, yeah, supporting the hometown team. So definitely appreciate that. And you know what? It's probably the first time in my life that I've ever talked to a principal for 10 minutes and I wasn't in trouble. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's the first time that I've ever talked to a principal for more than, well, two minutes, and I wasn't in trouble. So that, hey, there you go. I'm, I'm learning. I'm getting better at this kind of thing. Winning at the game of life. I'm all good with that. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness. I get up out of bed fired up. Sometimes the wife's like, hey, man, calm it on down. You ain't on air. <laughs> <laughs> 
It ain't always got to be showtime. I just thought about you just waking up. Boom! <laughs> Scared the hell out of everybody. That's how you get out of bed. <laughs> Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. 320 is the time. Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. Coming up at 330, Rick Stroud. Covers Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers like a glove. We'll talk to him about Todd Bowles. We'll also talk to him about a potential GM that the Raiders are looking at and uh, have requested an interview with, and that's uh, player personnel vice president for the Buccaneers, John Spidek. We'll talk to him coming up at 3.30 just to get the insight on Bulls and also Spidek. But uh, right now I know we haven't had a lot of uh, uh, open open line time. I apologize for that. I know a lot of folks like to chime in on the show on the regular. We're going to take this few minutes here to get some calls and a couple texts in at 702-365-9200. Let's start things off with Passionate Raider. What's on your mind, brother? What's up, Q? What's up to my hey Q man? You just man, that was just a great whole hour of the show, man. That 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 was like everything I wanted. That you put it put it all out there for us, man. Thank hey, you. First thing I first thing I want to say though, man, is AJT. If you're listening, man, I heard your call today with your son called, bro. I felt you, man. That was that was love, man. Just want you to know that was love. It hit me too, man. And um, man, after all these coaches coming in, man, it's it it looks like it's all defensive minded coaches, Q. Yeah. So I, I, I'm kind of getting the I'm kind of getting the feeling, man. And I'm starting to get just a little. I mean, maybe, maybe they're going to ride with Derek one more year, man, and, and see what happens, and, and and finally give this man a defense that they say he needs, and, and and see what's up, man. Because it's just everything's defense right now. I haven't seen one offensive mind in there, so it's, it's just long as it ain't Todd Bowles, man. I just don't think Todd Bowles is the answer, <laughs> man. I mean, it's double digit. I mean, it is what it was in the Jets, but. Just not Todd Bowles. Everything else is sounding good right now, man. Give a shout out to Raider Nation, everybody out there. We're holding, we're holding on strong, man. We're we're waiting, we're waiting patiently for some information, man. You guys are doing a great job too, man. Keep it up, man. Love y'all, Raiders. Nice, thank you for the call, man. I do appreciate you. That's good stuff, and uh, yeah, man. Right now, very defensive minded as far as the head coaches that they've been looking at, and that's interesting. It is interesting. There's a lot of folks that say, hey, it's an offensive league. You need to have offensive-minded head coaches. And some say, well, you went with the offensive-minded head coach last time. It didn't work out the way you wanted to. Maybe it's time to flip it up and go to a, a defensive-minded head coach. Now, look, Brandon Staley in uh, in, in uh, L.A. with the Chargers, I know that's DeMond's favorite guy. He's a defensive, uh, you know, defensive-minded guy, and their offense seems to be all right. Now, he gets a little... Um, you know, analytic crazy and does some stuff that I don't think is make good decisions. And he did that on a Sunday night football against the Raiders. But I mean, he's defensive minded. As long as you get some offensive minded coaches that know what they're doing, they can really, uh, you know, navigate the waters of that offense. Then I mean, you could be onto something. So, uh, Demond, uh, what do you think about that? About one particular. <laughs> I don't know. Welcome to the show. You must be there in the studio. It's hard when we're not in the same stu- in the same room. But- I heard you. I, I, my ears perked up a little bit because you mentioned Staley. Right, and then like yeah, if, so if you're asking me if you bring in a defensive coach, do I think that does it work? Yeah, but like you said, I think it's got to be like that college football mentality almost. Of you just got to pay the most for the best offensive coordinator you can buy. Right, I got you. I got you. I guess I caught you off guard a little bit. I'm not mad at that. Seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred. Let's go back out to Fargo Raider. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, Demon and Q. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. Uh, I'm just gonna say, man. That was a hell of an interview. Teachers, um, school janitors, people from districts, that, those are, you know, like under underappreciated positions, you know, and people in society, you know, like they help 
educate our kids in not just things about um not just school but in life lessons life, as well. Yeah. And yep. you know, you I don't know how you can't be proud to call yourself an American when you hear that man and and the pride and joy he has to come over here and help raise the future generations of this country. You know, to me, yep. look no further than American for the American dream than an immigrant. And the man came over here assimilated. That was beautiful to hear, man. I love to hear people with accents because I know that they chose to be here, you know. Right. And that's a beautiful thing. Thank you for for bringing that to us. Uh, I know it ties back into the Raiders, but in either case, now that the season has wrapped up, we could take time to appreciate people within those within the community and other communities who provide these services for, you know, the betterment of our society. Absolutely. I agree Thank 100%. You yeah, yeah, you too, Fargo. Thank you for that call. I appreciate you. You know what? I'm glad you brought that up. I really am because I thought that uh, talking to Principal Uwe was fantastic. He was a great guy. Uh, it was a fun conversation, no doubt about it. You could hear the energy and excitement in his voice. He gets to go to the Super Bowl. I think the Raiders did a great thing by gifting him some tickets. But I knew that when he said that he was a Kansas City Chiefs fan, there was going to be somebody that was going to be upset about that. And I think that that is absolutely just out of out – of, out of left field, out of pocket, to be honest, man. I'll tell you right now, I don't care if he was a Chiefs fan, a Chargers fan, or a Broncos fan. If he's helping helping build up our kids and educate our kids, I don't give a damn what team he's rooting for. And to know that he was a guy that was adopted into the Chiefs because he landed as an immigrant in Kansas, and that's all he knew, fine. He's here in Las Vegas. He's supporting the local team. He's got a unique Ngakwe jersey. Man, don't I, I don't I, I I don't know why it just it bothers me and I shouldn't really even react but it bothers me that people want to be mad about something all the time. This dude is doing everything from teaching math to scrubbing toilets to make sure that the kids are educated in this elementary school where it all starts the foundation. And there's going to be someone that's going to be mad because the Raiders gave him tickets because he said his Chiefs. So what? Get over yourself. And I'm only bringing this up because I literally got tweets about that. And, I just, and, and again, I shouldn't react to it, but it bothers me. As a father, it bothers me. As someone who watches and observes and sees, and, and by the way, half my family are, are, are educators, and I know that they don't get paid worth squat. They got to go on, 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 a, on a damn strike to get a raise. Half the time, take care of their own supplies. They're the ones that are doing yeoman's work and, t and helping educate us. And we're going to get bent out of shape because the guy's a Chiefs fan? <sighs> Come on, man. I salute Principal Uwe. I would love to have him on the show again. Uh, and just matter of fact, I'll probably have him on the show right after the Super Bowl to feel, see how his experience was. It doesn't always have to be black and white, and I don't mean the color. I just mean it doesn't always have to be pick a side. Can't the guy just do something great in the community and we, and we appreciate him? Just like Fargo Raider said, man, you hit it out the, out, out the box. I definitely appreciate you, man. That, we're, I don't know. I, I get mad for no reason, but I, I'm, it did. It, it, it pissed me off. So uh, we're going to be all right. Don't worry. We're going to be all right. But Fargo Raider, thank you for that call. I appreciate you. And, and Principal Uwe, I appreciate you as well. Let's go ahead and dive into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, see what they got going on, not only with a potential head coach, but also potential GM. We'll do that next with Rick Stroud. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. 
Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. We've been talking a lot of GMs, potential GMs. We've been talking a lot of head coaches, potential head coaches, and uh, that continues right now as we're joined right now on the phone lines by Rick Stroud from uh, Tampa Bay Times. He covers the Buccaneers like a glove. And, Rick, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. And when I reached out to you to, to get you on the show, it was just about Todd Bowles, the current defensive coordinator for the Buccaneers. But now we have another guy to talk about as well, and uh, John Spitek, the v- vice president the vice president, excuse me, of player personnel for Tampa Bay. Uh, let's start with Todd Bowles. He's uh, in Vegas right now. He's supposed to be interviewing with the Raiders either t- tomorrow or Friday. Um, how much have you seen him grow as a coach in general since his time with the Jets? Well, I mean, it's a different job, right? Um, yeah. Look, he, he went to the Jets. It's not, it wasn't a great organization. They were sort of in transition from a personnel standpoint. He did have a 10 and six season and then, you know, three out of the four seasons we're losing. Um, so I think, you know, I've talked to Todd about, obviously he'd love to be a head coach again. Um, he's not overly, you know, this, this is not like a daily pursuit of his. He tries to do the best job he can wherever he is. But, um, you know, I, I think that getting a, an, another opportunity in the right situation, I think he'll be interviewing the Raiders as much as they will be interviewing him. Okay. Uh, and making sure that things are in place, you know, for them to win. Now, clearly, he knows the roster. You have a quarterback. I mean, there are a lot of elements. They did a heck of a job with Rich Passaccia, who I know very well, from Tampa Bay. The other interesting thing about this, though, is John Spitek, and I know we'll get to him, but uh, obviously John loves Todd Bowles. I don't know if that would be his choice as a head coach if they hired John, but, um, you know, it's interesting that they're both going to be out there at you know, the same time, and uh, both those guys are incredibly qualified to do a great job. You know, it's a lot of times when guys don't succeed right away the first time that they're a head coach. Most people say, I just remember what he did and, you know, and with the Jets. And obviously that wasn't the same scenario as it is with Tampa Bay. Uh, do you think that he is uh, in position now and has learned a lot from the Jets situation, learned a lot from being in Tampa Bay under Bruce Arians, and, and really is that leader and, and kind of figure things out a little bit better in whatever situation he takes if he becomes a head coach somewhere where he'll have more success uh, than he did in New York? Oh, I think so. And what he probably learned the most is you got to have a quarterback. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, really, at the end of the day, um, you know, look look at the guys, and we can say what you want about Jimmy Garoppolo. He's been to one Super Bowl. He has a chance to go to another one. But, um, you know, uh, there's a reason why these teams got there. And, um, you know, uh, I think it starts there. And I, I think, yeah, I, I do. I believe he's a better coach. I think he's learned every year, you know, that, that he's been in the business. Now his, you know, his business is defense. Um, and, you know, I think that the shortcomings that he's had in interviews in the past has been, you know, okay, so you're, you're going to, we know you're going to have a good defense. We know, you know, defensive coaches, who's going to run your offense. And, you know, those answers have to, um, you know, be something that, uh, you know, inspires uh the owners and and i don't know that todd has always had that um in the past in some of the places he's interviewed now that may have improved and and in fact you know he could take two coaches make them coordinators from this staff you know um and there are plenty of guys that he's familiar with that he's worked with under bruce arians that have no bruce's system um that he would be comfortable with so the longer you're in the game and he's been in it a long time the more coaches you learn, uh, there's a bunch of guys here that have been together 
Um, so, you know, he, he would be able to put together a very good staff. And, look, I think he'd do a terrific job. I, you know, I'm biased. I've been around Todd now for about three years. Uh, he has so much respect uh, of the players. You know, there's a cliche about players, coaches, but really all players want are for guys to put them in positions to win and to tell them, you know, to shoot them straight and, and tell them how to get better. And Todd can do all those things. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for his opportunity. I know he's interviewed a couple other places, but um, this would be a great one for him. Talking right now with Rick Stroud here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920, and uh, kind of not on the same subject of what we've been talking about, but uh, all we really remember is that last play of that game on Sunday against the Rams, the cover zero call. Uh, how much was that scrutinized, and how surprised were you that he ran that kind of a, a coverage? Well, I mean, they've done that all year, and that's sort of his, you know, his M.O. He's, he's a blitz-heavy guy. Now, you know, yeah. blitzing Stafford, you don't make a very good living off of. I think what gets lost is a couple things, and I've been asked this a few times about how it might impact, you know, whatever interview or, or, or perception people would have of him. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're interviewing Todd Bowles for his body of work. He's been one of the premier defensive coaches in this league for a long time. Um, his players always respond well to him. If you look at that final drive, um, you know, Bruce Arians said he'd like to play those last 40-something seconds over again. I'm sure he would. Um, but, you know, they have no timeouts. And the play before the deep shot to Cooper Cup, um, they're playing two deep zone, and they got man under. And, you know, Cooper Cup's running sort of a dig route. And Sean Murphy Bunting steps on him. I mean, he steps on his heel and falls down. And so not only is Cooper Cup able to catch the ball and gain about close to 20 yards, but he's able to go out of bounds because they can't make the tackle on him. Mm-hmm. So that stopped the clock. That gave him another play. And, you know, the zero blitz, I don't think they would do that again knowing the outcome. But by the <laughs> same token, you know, it was a hurry-up situation. I think what happened was they may have gotten it communicated, but they all didn't, they all didn't go after the quarterback. I mean, Levante David standing in the middle of the field doing nothing. If he follows Sue in there, Maybe they put a hit on car and that ball's not completed. But sometimes you just got to credit the other team, too. You know, that right. defense got the Bucks back in the game by getting four turnovers. If they don't get all four of those turnovers, I assure you they're not coming back from 27-3. to three. So there were some good things in that game, but it's, it's obviously – you remember the last play. Right, of course. And you're absolutely right about those turnovers. Without those turnovers, it's a blowout. It's not even close. You know, it's a bloodbath. So, yeah, those, and that's something that they went out with the purpose of trying to create. It wasn't like the Rams just made four huge mistakes. Now, I, I know Cooper Cup put one on the ground. That was more on him, I think. But the other one, especially the last one with Sue, I mean, he went in there with the purpose of getting that ball out. So I was pretty impressed by that. Let me ask you one more question about Bowles. Uh, the Raiders so far have, have talked about, and their names are associated with, all defensive-minded coaches, including Todd Bowles. Uh, a lot of people say, hey, this is an offensive league. You need to have an offensive-minded head coach. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because, again, Bowles is a defensive guy. Well, I mean, I think you've got to have both. Um, but I, but I, would look at, you know, I would look at the teams that win. Um, you know, <laughs> listen, the Rams don't win this game unless they had gone all in. You know, they obviously have Aaron Donald. Then they go get Vaughn Miller. Um, you know, they just, you know, Jalen Ramsey, they have an outstanding defense, not a good defense, an outstanding defense and defenses that can affect the quarterback. It is a, it is a passing league. It is an offensive league. So that, that makes a premium on being able to affect those guys with the ball, um, you know, and getting it out of their hands and, and creating turnovers, which is what Todd's defense has always done. Look at the sacks that they produce. Look at the turnovers they produce every year. They're at or near the top. Um, so, 
you know, and, and the other thing to remember, and I think, you know, it's sort of interesting that there's a lot of defensive coaches being interviewed right now because it had swung the other way. Um, you know, there's, a, there's been some bias, I think, about that. But it, it all depends on what situation you're in. You know, if you have a young quarterback you want to develop and you want some guy that is a play caller, that's sort of been, the, you know, the mode we were in for a number of years, and it's been successful, um, you know, with, with Sean McVay and, and, and his tree, I guess. Um, but there's more to being a head coach than just calling one side of the ball, the offense or the defense. You really set the tone. Right. You really have to coach your coaches. You really um, have to be that steady hand, um, you know, so your team doesn't r- ride the roller coaster. You know, you had John Gruden out there. I had him here in Tampa Bay, and it was a roller coaster every every day. You didn't know <laughs> if they were going to make a first down, you know. And, <laughs> right. and so, you know, so you, you like to have that as well. So I, I just think it's it's, you know, each owner has their own ideas about what their team needs at the time, and and uh, but I think the marriage between the general manager and the head coach, and in this case, I know how good John Spitek is. He's going to get hired by somebody, and he's going to knock it out of the park. I mean, he the job he did here with the number of injuries they had, the number of veterans they brought in that were able to transition and play right away. It's incredible to me that they won 14 games, and it's you know. He took it as a challenge and wanted to see how good his staff that he built was. And they were pretty damn good. So whoever hires John Spitek, I assure you, is going to have a good general manager. Well, you know what? Let's let's go ahead and jump into the conversation about Spitek because that's a guy that I don't know a whole lot about. I know that he's the vice uh, pre- president of player personnel right now, but uh, you talk highly about him. How much has his name been floated in the in the rumor mill as a guy that, that could potentially be a GM this offseason? Well, I interviewed for the Minnesota Vikings job. They went a different way. I mean, Spy has, has been a guy that, you know, has, has done a lot of things, college scouting, you know, was with the Cleveland Browns, uh, was in Denver with the Broncos, um, you know, in, in their personnel uh, department before he came here to Tampa Bay. And all I know is just look at the last four or five drafts that the Bucks have had since he got here. I think this is his fifth or sixth year. They improved dramatically, you know, including – uh, Tristan Wirfs, who they took two years ago, that's already an all-pro, and if he stays healthy, he'll probably wear a gold jacket one day. Um, he's he's done a great job of building a staff, a scouting staff. There's an organizational component to it. Um, you know, Spy is a former player at Michigan. He was on the same team as Tom Brady, although Brady probably doesn't remember him because he was just a <laughs> you know redshirt freshman getting the hell beat out of him on the defensive line. But right. um, you know, some great stories about Spy. I mean, when they were recruiting Brady. As a free agent, they were afraid to let people know he was on their radar, so he's the one that came up with the idea that uh, they called it Operation Shoeless Joe. If you remember the Black Sox scandal, you know, mm-hmm. and Shoeless Joe Jackson coming out of the cornfield, the idea was if you build it, he will come. Well, they built a pretty damn good team, and they had a lot of talent. And why did Tom Brady choose the Bucks? He was looking for a really good team with a lot of talent around it. And, you know, so Spy has, has been, you know, at the top of all of this stuff, and just a great guy to, to boot, uh, outstanding family, and like I said, he's going to be a, he's going to be a success as a GM wherever he goes. Sounds like he'd be a guy that would be pretty much I mean missed in a major way if uh, if he gets a job this offseason. Tampa Bay would really uh, not struggle without him, but they would really miss him a lot. Well, they got some guys in their department that that can take over that I think will be good too. You know, John Robinson was here, the Titans GM, before mm-hmm. he he went to Tennessee with Jason Light, and Jason does a good job of finding guys. Um, to help him as a general manager. I think it starts with Jason, but yeah, I, I, I do think they would miss him. There's no question. And, and for that matter, 
I mean, think about how drastically different Tampa Bay could be. We sit here, we don't know what Tom Brady's going to do. He's trying to decide between football and family. And and what's happening around us, I mean, if Byron Leftwich gets the job in Jacksonville, which I think he will, um, he could take two coaches from the Bucks. If, if you know, Todd Bowles goes somewhere, he could take two more. Um, you, you, you could lose John Spytek. And, and Brady may decide in, in the face of all that, you know what? I'm, I'm hanging it up. This isn't the same team. It's not the same coaching staff. Hell, maybe Bruce Arians says he's had enough. So um, we we can see a drastic changes here in Tampa Bay. I don't think all of that will happen, but um, there's a reason why these guys are world champions, and there's a good reason why so many of them are being interviewed and, and um, considered for these jobs. Absolutely. We're talking right now with Rick Stroud from the Tampa Bay Times here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond in the home studio has got a question for you. Go ahead, DeMond. Yeah, Rick, you touched on it a little bit there, but I was seeing reports last night, now it's looking like conflicting reports, that Byron Leftwich was already hired as the Jaguars head coach. So can you, are they just working out the final details, or is it just, just not um, some fake reporting that I saw out there? I don't know if it's fake reporting. I mean, I, hell, I put something out there, and I, I wasn't trying to fake it. I, I think they were uh, negotiating contracts. I still think they're doing that. Now, they have said that they haven't gone to contract with anybody. You know, that came out after our report. Look, there's there's a lot of uh, leverage plays in organizations. Um, you know, I talked to somebody else with the Bucks late, you know, just before I came on that thought that Byron will have that job. Um, ultimately, you know, there's other candidates. Who knows what the Jaguars are doing because they're the Jaguars. But, <laughs> right. um, you know, I, I, I do think I do think that it's it's Byron's probably going to be Byron's job. I think he's the best guy for it. Um, but, you know, we'll wait and see. I mean, you can do a lot worse than a guy that's a Super Bowl, you know, coordinator that's been a quarterback in this league, has ties to Duval County, and the Jaguars got drafted first overall and could work with a young quarterback like Trevor Lawrence because he's seen the game behind the center so um we'll see ultimately what the jaguars do but i I think i think he's a darn good candidate and have you heard about him being a candidate anywhere else because i feel like he's just been a shoe-in for that jacksonville job is he does he have any more interviews lined up i don't know if he does or not uh you know i'm trying to think i thought maybe there was one other job that he did interview for Uh, i think it was the chicago bears Uh, it doesn't look like he's necessarily going to get that one um you know last year he didn't get any interviews so uh, you know, he's still a young guy. He's still only 40, 42 years old. He's younger than the quarterback. Um, so, you know, and he's not, and I've talked to Byron, like Byron, because of his, the success that he's had and the wealth that he's accumulated, he didn't get into coaching. You know, he was out playing golf for five years. Bruce Arians had to talk him into it. And he went there, you know, and, and as, as an intern and became a quarterback's coach in Arizona, really got the bug. And, and he's just done such a great job um, that now it's inevitable. I think he'll be a head coach in this league. And, uh, you just don't see many NFL quarterbacks, um, you know, that, that, that played at that level uh, because of the commitment that you have to have and the hours that, you know. But also consider what he's learned from Tom Brady these last two years. I mean, as much as Byron knew, nobody knew more than Tom Brady, and he's had the ability to sit there and game plan and, and see the game a different way, the way Brady sees it. So I think he's going to be really good. But, again, it's a different job. It's not just about calling plays or being an offensive coordinator. You'd be a young head coach, and, and you're only as good as, as the support you get in the organization. 
That's a great point. You know, it's it's a lot of lot of work to do being the CEO, not only just the play caller, but the CEO. And Rick, this stuff this has been uh, fantastic. We do appreciate your time. Let me ask you this as we close out. Uh, you mentioned knowing Rich Basaccia from his time at Tampa Bay. Uh, he did a hell of a job with the Raiders this uh, past season, taking over for John Gruden after everything shook out and uh, guided the Raiders to the playoffs. What are your thoughts on what you know about Rich Basaccia? Why do the players? Why do they fight for him so much? I mean, just just tell us about the man himself. Well, I think you guys saw a lot of it. You saw the natural love he has uh, for his players, the caring. Uh, I think, you know, I think the way he leads is by caring. Um, and, you know, he reminds me of Tom Brady in that way in many ways. But, you know, Rich Rich has a lot of, 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 of you know, experience. Uh, he's coached special teams. And the, the unique thing about guys that coach special teams, I don't know why people don't hire more of them, like a John Harbaugh, by example. Um, is because you're the one guy on the staff who talks to all the players. You talk to offensive players. You're in the meetings with defensive players. So you get to know these guys uh, as they come into the building many times as, as, as draft picks or even free agents. And you just see the whole picture. You know what I mean? You yeah. see the big picture. You see how all three elements come together and, and complement each other. And that's really what football is. You know, it's not just about the offense or the quarterback or the defense or scoring points. You've all got to come together and sacrifice for each other. And he's just a great leader of men, and I'm excited that he got that opportunity. I had no doubt he would knock it out of the park. And, um, you know, hopefully if he doesn't get this Raiders job that somebody else will be impressed with him because I'm convinced he's, he'll be successful if he, if he gets that opportunity. Yeah, no, he's, he's a great dude and did a heck of a job. Uh, and this was my first opportunity to kind of get to know him. But, yeah, he did a fantastic job with the silver and black. Rick, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you got anything coming out on the, uh, on the Tampa Bay Times that, that maybe Raider Nation should be on the lookout to give a little bit more background on, on some of these guys in the, in the Tampa Bay organization? Well, um, yeah, I wrote a little bit about John Spitek uh, interviewing out there with the Raiders. If you want to read more about him, you can go to TampaBay.com or the Tampa Bay Times. And, and uh, like I said, I've gotten to know John for a number of years, um, and we'll see with Todd Bowles. I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, of course, you know, three years of stories on Todd Bowles, including uh, the breakdown of the the last game. But um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good resource if you want to read about those two guys. There you go, great stuff, Rick. Thank you so much for your time. We really do appreciate you. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Good luck in Vegas. See you. All right, there he goes. Good dude right there, Rick Stroud, covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers like a glove and uh, giving us a little bit of time and a little bit of breakdown here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I mean, we're trying to get you caught up to date with everyone that is going through those doors or are, are planning on going through those doors at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center in Henderson. 348 is the time. Come back, close out the show. Calls and texts. We'll get in as many as we can. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy, Q. 3.50 is the time. Only have a few minutes left in today's show. We've been going fast and furious. And before we get out today, I know I said I was going to take calls and texts to close out the show, but I forgot, and, and I, I apologize for forgetting. I wanted to make sure I got something in before the end of the show. Today is a day that's near and dear to my heart, and as I get older, I've I realize I have more days that are near and dear to my heart, but today is January 26, 2022. And on January 26, 2020, uh, the world, the NBA, 
Uh, a lot of folks lost uh, Kobe Bean Bryant. Uh, he, him, his daughter, and, and, uh, and many others died in a tragic helicopter accident. And uh, it was crazy. I remember exactly where I was when I got the news about it. I was in Miami preparing for the Super Bowl, as we'll be doing in a couple weeks in L.A. But we were there preparing, and all of a sudden my, my co-host on my radio show said, Q, I think Kobe and his family or his, his daughter – and others just passed away in a helicopter accident. I thought, no way. There's no, no way that that really happened. And then, of course, we all did the research and, and realized that it was true. And it was just that big, big, like, what the, you know, like that, that couldn't have happened. And it was crazy. And it just, it really hit home for me. And, and I, I don't have any problem sharing with people here on the radio station. I've, I've done it many times before. I don't run from tragedy. Uh, it really hit home for me because my son had passed away four days ahead of time. He had passed away four days on the, on the, uh, on the 22nd of the 20th. And he was only, uh, he was my oldest son, but he was only 20 years old. And Kobe Bryant was his favorite player, you know. So it really hit home because, I mean, again, I'm, I'm, Thinking about my son, obviously, grieving my son, and then realizing his favorite player just passed as well. And then I'm feeling for the family, you know, the Bryant family. And so uh, just the other day, it was a Saturday of this two-year anniversary of my son passing, and, and it was emotional for me that day, but it was a Saturday, so I didn't have to come on the radio and talk about it. But now today, and all of a sudden I wake up and I realize it is Kobe's day, it just really – it really touches and hits home with me. So uh, I just wanted to make sure we took some time to, to you know, shout out to uh, our, our loved ones and shout out to, you know, Kobe and the families, all the families that were affected, because it wasn't just Kobe's family, all the families that were affected. Uh, I urge everyone when you have an opportunity, I don't care what the circumstance is, if you have uh, someone that maybe you haven't talked to and communicated with uh, as much as you should, take the time to call. Don't text. Take the time to call and just say, hey, I just want to check in on you. I just want to tell you I love you. I just want to tell you that I'm thinking about you because you never know when you're not going to get that opportunity to say that. And I, I promise you I beat myself up all the time uh, feeling like I didn't call my son enough. You know, I didn't call him enough to check in on him. And when he told me he was in the music studio or in the recording studio recording a song, instead of going and seeing him that night, I, I decided to, okay, I'll let you go ahead and record your album. We'll catch up later. Well, later never, ca- never happened. So not trying to make it about me, but I just uh, every once in a while I like to pass along some life lessons and if you have an opportunity, don't hold a grudge. Don't say, hey, I'm not talking to that person until that person talks to me. Man, sometimes we just got to be better than that. We just got to go ahead and, and, and make, that, make that call because, again, you will beat yourself up. You'll be angry at yourself if you don't have that opportunity to you know, show that love when you get the chance. And so to wrap up today's show, what I want to do is play a couple pieces of sound from Kobe Bryant that I, I like to play. Um, I, sometimes I play it to, for myself just to hear it just to get myself fired up. So the first piece of, of sound I want you to hear from Kobe Bryant is just his words of wisdom. Hello, everyone. I'm so sorry I can't be with you tonight. However, I couldn't completely miss the chance to take a moment to share some thoughts with all of you. The lesson I cherish the most is how important it is to love what you do. If you love what you do and it's making you happy, all the hard work and perseverance will pay off. I once had a guidance counselor tell me that I shouldn't play basketball, uh, that it would never amount to anything for me. His negativity towards me made me stronger. You can't stop people from trying to limit your dreams, but you can stop it from becoming a reality. Your dreams are up to you. I encourage you to always be curious, always seek out things you love, and always work hard once you find it. So with that, I'll let you carry on with your evening. Please know I'm thinking of you, supporting you, and encouraging you always. Peace.
And I believe that was an SB is award when he, he said that. And uh, I just thought that that hit home, especially with him saying, sorry, I couldn't be with you. And the final piece of sound, and I know that I'm taking way too long, was just on how he wants to be remembered. This is from 2015. How do you want to be remembered? What, what matters to you in this whole discussion of what do you want people to think of? Um, that, um, you know, it's, uh, I've always said that I wanted to be remembered as a player that didn't waste a moment. Welcome to the Kobe show. Take two. Didn't waste a day. Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. And, uh, um, I felt extremely blessed uh, by the guy getting talent. But at the same time, I didn't take take it for granted at all. So if I could re be remembered as a person that was born with a lot of talent, but did everything he could to try to overachieve, and lived every day as if he was the 12th guy on the bench, you know, I think that's a very powerful message to have and something that hopefully the players that are now and players that will come later um, choose to embody as well. just wanted you to hear that. Thought that that was something that you probably needed to hear. Every once in a while, I like to hear stuff that, you know, doesn't necessarily always – um, you know, mean mean a whole lot to me. I'm obviously not an NBA player, and uh, none of us are, but I think that we could all apply that into our everyday lives. And so I uh, wanted to show that love to Kobe and the families on uh, his, you know, two-year anniversary of him passing. So rest in peace to Kobe Bryant, Gigi, his daughter, and all the, the people that were in that helicopter that tragic day, January 26, 2020. Vinny Bonsignor, he's coming up next. He's in the huddle. 4 to 6 p.m. He's going to take you home. And, man, he's got a lot to talk about, as we had a lot to talk about on today's show. So make sure you hit him up. The Raider Nation listener line, 702-365-9200. And, of course, the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Damon, fantastic job navigating in and out of each one of our guests. I appreciate you like no other. And we'll be back tomorrow. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920.